Hello and welcome to The Court Jester, your weekly window into medieval absurdity. I am Cleopatra, no medievalist and storyteller, and it's Valentine week, which means that I should bring you a love story, but if you have been following this podcast for a while, you'd know that these are rare, weird, and completely inappropriate in the day and age that we are talking about. So, I am bringing you the story of Auberet, that the author calls the go-between, but I like to call the matchmaker. You'll see as we go on that it's not your typical love story, but I will insist that it is a love story nonetheless, so it counts. However, before we dive in, I need to remind you that it was written several hundred years ago, and that means that a lot of the content is very dated, a lot of the jokes are potentially what we would call today abusive, And, well, to go through the usual spiel, it's gender binary, there's a very loose understanding of consent, and women are the devil. If you don't think that you have the capacity for this today, that's fine. If you can consume this content in context, let's go to find out what exactly did Auberet do to be the go-between, to be the matchmaker for what we assume to be a happy, loving couple. Our story starts with a young man. This young man, young and handsome I should say, he's the son of a very well-off middle-class man. So the boy is young, he's smart, he also has his way about him and he has funds. He also has his heart set on a girl in his little town and that girl is also very pretty and young but poor. Very poor, destitutely poor. So the boy wants to talk to the girl, and that's what he did. He went over to find her and tell her, I love you, I love you with all my heart, and I want you to be mine. And she told him, that is very nice to hear. I like you well enough, but I will not be yours unless you marry me, because this is not how it's going to work. I'm not going to allow some rich boy to take my virtue. If you do, however want to marry me, if you love me enough for that, then I'll be more than happy to give you everything. Then that's what I'm going to do, said the young man, like a proper gentleman. And they spent a few hours talking about how they're going to get married and planning their future life together, and the boy went back home happier than he thought he would ever be, and went straight to his father to say that he had asked that peasant girl to marry him. And this is where things started going wrong. Because his father said, no way. She is poor. She doesn't have a second pair of socks, let alone a second pair of underwear. And she's not even worthy for you to take your shoes off, let alone making her your wife. You can have your fancy with her if you like. But I'm not going to allow you to marry her. I have plans for you, my boy. You're going to marry someone from high breeding, with really good funds, that can help the family and can help you move forward in life. I'm not going to waste you on some low-life peasant. The boy was inconsolable, but his father would not budge. And as the weeks went by and he kept crying his eyes out, things kept happening. For example, a married man in the village lost his wife, became a widower. And as people do... A week or so after his wife died, he went and asked the peasant girl for her hand in marriage. 
Her father, of course, seeing that this was a great opportunity for her to be out of poverty forever, accepted. And so a week after that, the girl was married to the former widower and now her husband. We have no idea how she felt, but I can tell you that the young man, her suitor, was devastated. He lost weight, he lost his colour, he lost the shine and the spring in his step, and he was wearing the best clothes that he had because he was also well off, so he had this amazing vest made of squirrel fur that looked absolutely fantastic, but even that looked dull on him because his mood was dull and he was feeling terrible and looking terrible for it. And no matter what he did, every day that he went for a walk, he ended up close to her house, passing by, hoping to get a glimpse of her until one day he decided that he needs to come up with a plan to go see her. And this is when he noticed Auberet. Auberet was the neighbour that lived right across the street from the new house of his love, and she was a seamstress, and she was one of those that could lead the best wife astray. He was polite, he said hello, and Auberet looked at him and said, What's wrong with you? Why the long face? Why so dour? You were everyone's favourite boy, and now look at you. Oh, you wouldn't believe me, said the young man, and then he told her everything. His love was just married to another man, and this is where she stays, and he will die, I swear he will die, if he doesn't find a way to spend some time with her. And what do you think I'm doing here, said Doberet, jumping to the occasion. If you give me, say, forty pieces of gold, I can make it happen before you can blink. In less than two days, you'll have her between you and a mattress. I promise you that, my friend. Do you have the money? You have never seen anyone run faster than this young man who ran home into his father's money cabinet and back. And in a matter of minutes, he had 40 gold pieces in Auberet's hand. That should do it, said Auberet. Now also give me that wonderful waistcoat that you're wearing and take a cape and get out of here and wait for my call. The young man had to trust her at this point because he had also spent an awful lot of money. So he did exactly what he was told. And Auberet took his waistcoat, stuck a needle in it, wrapped it in a short cloak that she had, and made her way to her neighbor's house. God bless this house and all who live here, she said cheerily as she walked in. Are you the new lady then? So very nice to meet you. Uh, I used to be very good friends with the previous lady of the house, and I just came here today to see how you're settling in, if you're having a good time, if this man is treating you well, because let me tell you... The previous mistress of the house was a very good friend of mine. She had me over here all day, every time that I needed something. She was my go-to person and I was the same for her. And so I'm here today to make sure that you're doing fine and make sure that we have a very good relationship to go between us because you know how neighbours are and how they should be. The girl was a bit overwhelmed but was very welcoming as well. Of course, she said, come on in, I'm very happy to meet you. And yes, my husband is treating me fine. But are you here just for introductions, or did you want something as well? Well, if I'm honest, said Auberet, my daughter is not feeling very well, so I came to beg for a cup of white wine if you have it, and maybe a bap of bread, because she, she has been pestering me for these two things all day, and I really feel sorry for her, poor thing. Of course, said the lady, and sent her servants to provide. But tell me, said Auberet, so are you living in luxury there? Is he having you sleep in his bed with him? Because I remember the previous one, they had a very good bed and they slept there together. But you know how sometimes men are like that, that they don't let you into the ex-wife's bedchamber and they somehow keep you in another room in the house or something like that? Oh, no, 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 said the girl, innocently started walking towards her bedroom. Come on, I'll show you. And then with that, 
took Obere all around the house and they talked about everything, about the curtains, about the rugs, about the carpets, about the sheets, about the bedding, about the quilt that was on the bed. And while they were talking and the girl was distracted, Obere stuffed the waistcoat with the needle in it just between the pillows of the bed and pulled the quilt over it to hide it. Is that so? She turned to the lady. Tell me, tell me more about the the other things that you have. And then they kept talking and then they went back to the main hall. And so the servants had prepared wine and bread for Aubert to take home. And she thanked the lady and left. The husband came back not long after. And he had supper with his wife and everything looked fine. And then he decided he wanted to have a nap. So he headed to the bed and he pulled the quilt and saw the waistcoat and lost all colour from his face. This is a man's waistcoat. What is it doing in his bed? What is it doing between his pillows? There's only one reason why it should be there, and that is because someone, someone who shouldn't be there, has been in his bed with his wife and forgot this item of clothing behind, and his wife was so excited with whatever it was she was doing that she forgot to hide it. But now, now he had evidence that she's sleeping with someone else. How is it even possible? They haven't been married for a month. She must have had the lover from before. That slut. And he kept having this conversation with himself and getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And without stopping to ask, he ran back to the hall, grabbed his wife by the hair and threw her on the street and slammed the door behind her. The girl started banging at the door, but he ordered the servants not to let her back in. And so soon after, devastated, she crossed the road and knocked on Aubrey's door. Aubrey, she said, He threw me out. What? said Aubrey, who kind of expected this. What happened? I need you, my friend. It was a good thing you came earlier, because now I can trust you and I can ask you to please walk with me to my father's house. I need to go somewhere to spend the night. What? You're not going to your father's house? said Aubrey. What do you think your father will say if you go there in the middle of the night? He will certainly believe that you somehow betrayed your husband, because if he threw you out, he must have had reason. So, best case scenario, he's going to kick you out as well. Second is you're going to also get a beating. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not letting you go anywhere. You'll just come in and sleep here. Stay with me for a night or two, and then your husband will come to his senses, and we will find out why he kicked you out. Obere, you are too kind, said the girl. And she ushered her in and offered her food and wine, but the girl wanted no food nor wine. She just wanted somewhere to lie down and sleep off the distress. So she took her to the back bedroom, laid new sheets down for her and let her rest. And then ran to meet her boy, who was expecting her rather impatiently. It's done, she told him. She's waiting for you in my back room. Come on, let's go. I'll take you there. She's waiting for me. Well, technically she is waiting, or I should say she's sleeping, said Aubrey, but if you go there and get into bed with her, you'll see that she will not say no to you. How do we know that she will not say no to me? Well, you'll be already in her bed, so what's she going to do? Shout. If she shouts, people will come in and see you in bed with her, so that's not going to work, is it? So she will have to say yes, said Aubrey. Trust me, I've done this before. It's going to work. It's, it's a tested way to do things. I will take your advice, said the young boy. I have never done this before, so... And so they went back to Aubrey's house, and she let him into the girl's room, and he got naked, and slowly crawled into her bed. When she felt him there, she jumped. Who is this? Who are you? I'll scream, don't touch me. My love, it is I, he said. 
your beloved, the one you said you would marry? Well, my father wouldn't let me marry you, but, but I'm here now, and we have this night, and we can spend it together at least. And your honor's protected, because you're already married, so... I am going to scream, said the girl. Go ahead, said the boy. The entire neighborhood will be here in minutes, and they will see us both naked in the bed, and what do you think they will think? We're here now. You're here for the next day or two. I can be here too. It's the only chance we'll ever get, probably, so what do you say? It was several good points made there. Most importantly, she really liked him, so she went back into bed, kissed him, hugged him, and they spent the rest of the night doing what lovers do. And in the morning, Aubert was expecting them with bacon and bread and more wine, and for the rest of the day kept bringing them everything their heart desired except the only thing they desired more than anything was each other. So they had the day and they had the night, and in the middle of the second night, Auberet went in the room. All right, you two, she said. Let's wrap this up. You've had enough. You, sir, go back to your house and I will call you in the future. This is not finished unless you want it to be. But now there's something important that needs to be done for this to continue. So you, young man, go back home and you, girl, come with me. Wear only your night shift. The girl did as was advised, and so did the boy, and Auberet took eight candles and had the girl walk with her to the city church. And they went to the altar of Mary, and she said to the girl, Now this is what you're going to do. You're going to lie on the floor, face down. I'm going to put the candles around you and light them. Whatever you do, do not move, do not breathe, do not pick up your head for anyone. You will hear me coming back here unless I tell you to move. Do not move. The girl lied down on the floor. It was cold, but at this point she was doing whatever she was told to do. And Auberet made four crosses with the candles that she had brought and lit them all on her head, on her feet and one at each hand, making her look entirely like a penitent. This looks good. Stay there, she said, and then ran across town to her husband's house. He wasn't sleeping, still thinking about that waistcoat in his bed, but Auberet didn't know that, so she started banging the door as if she wanted to bring it down, and so he had to ask one of the servants to open the door for her. And she walked in and faced him. You clueless oaf! You monster of iniquity! You selfish brute! You good-for-nothing, useless man! What did you do? What did I do? He said, surprised all of a sudden. Well, I don't know what you did, but I knew you did something, because I woke up from a bad dream and I went to church to pray for, well, my sins, to take the nightmares away, and what did I see when I got in the church? Your wife, sir, in Mary's altar, face down in her night shift, with candles all around her, praying, who knows how long it's been there. I touched her. She didn't even move. She was cold, cold like the stone she was laying onto. Why is she doing penitence? Why did you send her to church? She's a child. Could she have done to you? She's only been here for a week. How dare you treat your wife like that? She's in church doing penance, you say, said the man. Yes, she is. Are you going to tell me that you didn't send her there? I know nothing about this, said the husband. Well, go see for yourself then, said Auberet. And he did. Both of them went back to the church and saw the girl, face down, surrounded by candles. And he started doubting himself. Is it possible that he had made a mistake? So he walks up to her 
and asks her to stop what she's doing and come home with him. Yes, girl, said Aubert, listen to your husband, go home, no matter what happened, you two will figure it out. This is not a way to work through marriage disturbances. Please follow your husband home. So the girl stood up and followed her husband home, and when she got there, she went straight to bed under the quilt and slept like a stone because frankly she hadn't slept for a day and a night and another night before that and her husband didn't know exactly what she was up to but let me tell you she was exhausted she must be very drained from all the praying said Aubert. let her sleep it off neighbor and she'll be back in her feet in no time and the man did as advised and he too went to bed and lay next to his wife and couldn't quite sleep but waited till the dawn and when the dawn broke he got dressed and prepared to go to work and as he was opening the door Auberet, who was waiting for him jumped out of her own house again shouting and waving her hands like a maniac i'm ruined i'm ruined this is the end of me this is going to be my destruction what did i do who did this how could i have let this happen how could i have been so stupid i i barely took my eyes from it where did it go what happened Auberet? said the man what did you lose you know me to be a seamstress neighbor don't you well i had taken a young man's waistcoat the other day and i was mending it for him because it had a hole in it and somehow i don't know how he paid me thirty pounds for it mind you and i don't know how i don't know where it's gone i don't know where i left it but someone probably stole it and the man's going to be back for it this week and i don't have it and he has already paid for it and i don't have the money to pay him back what am i going to do i'm ruined Tell me something, Aubrey, said the man. Have you been to my house at all these days? I was a couple of days ago, said Aubrey. I went over there to meet your wife and we had a chat and she gave me wine and bread and she showed me around the house as well. Could you have left it over at mine, said the man. Oh, now that you mention it, neighbor, you, you are right. I think I left it on the bed and she was showing me something and I just left it there intending to go get it back. Would you have it? So the man went back inside and brought the waistcoat out. Is that it? He said with the most relieved face you can imagine. Oh, bless you, neighbor. Yes, that's the one. Look, it even has a needle and thread on it because I was working on it when, when I was there. Oh, bless you, bless you. I'm getting old. You know how it is. I'm forgetting where I'm putting my things. Thank you so much for this. You don't know how much calmer I am now. You don't know how good this was. It's a good fortune that I met you, neighbor. Oh, no, believe me. The relief is all mine, said the man. I'm so happy to have helped you on this one. Because, you see, now all his doubts were cleared. His wife was not sleeping with anyone. Aubert had forgotten the waistcoat there. Nothing untoward has happened. And he has no reason to doubt her ever again. Thus Aubert won her forty pounds and satisfied three people in one go. And I think she's earned the title of the most successful go-between we've ever come across. This was the story of Auberet, a cunning middle person if I ever met one. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe to The Court Jester in whatever platform you're listening to us right now. Like and tell all your friends how excitingly amazing this podcast is. 
You can also follow the court jester on social media. There's links for that in the show notes. And before I leave you, I have one more thing to tell you. The court jester is the labor of love of a medievalist and storyteller, me. And if you're feeling generous, you can support the podcast on Patreon. You will get additional material, bonus episodes and other good things. And I will get a sense of achievement that is otherwise lacking in my life. And the ability to give you more stories from the Middle Ages. Thank you for listening. Until next time.